Most Pacific nations have little or no female representation in their parliaments, and despite efforts from various quarters to alter this, there are few signs change is coming. But Australian academic Jess Collins is convinced more leadership programs at the community level in Pacific societies should lead to more political representation for women. Dr Collins is a research fellow at the Lowy Institute, and Don Wiseman asked her why women are not getting elected to Pacific parliaments. Across the Pacific, the different contexts are playing into why women are being held back from parliament. So I would say on a more general note, there are some really difficult to budge uh, socio-cultural norms that are playing into why women are struggling to get represented in parliament. But across the board in every single country, there are country-specific reasons why women are not getting into parliament. So if we take a look at Samoa, for example, in Samoa, they have a complex socio-political system in which Matais or the chiefs are the only people who can actually get represented into parliament. Now, uh, one out of 10 villages in Samoa that don't let women become Matais. And so in those villages, they're facing that barrier to getting into political representation. There's a very small percentage of women who are Matais anyway. That's correct. So 7% of women in Samoa are Matais. But the good news is that 50% of those women are high chiefs. And so there's more likelihood of them going on to represent in Parliament if they so choose to do. If we look at PNG, because it's so relevant, it's got an election very soon, mm-hmm. and they've had this situation where they have a vast number of MPs for the country and very, very few women over the years, none at the moment. Lots of women have stood. I think the, the greatest number is planning this next election. But the biggest barrier they run into is both opposition from men and opposition from women. Yes, that's right. So there will be um, a record number of women running for parliament, no doubt, in this election. Um, but it still represents only 5%. Well, at the last election in 2017, it was only 5% of the candidacy. So we're still talking long, uh, smaller numbers in terms of the, the magnitude of people running for parliament there. It is notoriously difficult to get re-elected in PNG parliament once you're in there. So people are looking at one-term stints only. And women are facing extra barriers because there's, you know, there's deeply ingrained sociocultural norms that apply gendered roles to women. There's also the difficulty of money politics in Papua New Guinea. So essentially candidates or politicians that are already uh, serving in parliament essentially buy votes to get re-elected or to get elected in the first place. And women in Papua New Guinea uh, have generally Uh, not always, but have less access to finance and so they're finding it difficult to participate in those uh, money politics that are so important to getting elected these days in Papua New Guinea. Yes, it's peculiar, isn't it? Because there are a lot of parts of Papua New Guinea that are uh, matrilineal. The women, you would think, might be more dominant and they're not. That's right. But um, if you take a look at, I think, in uh, Bougainville, that is a matrilineal society, I think, and they're doing well there. But Papua New Guinea is a diverse place. Uh, It's probably one of the most culturally diverse countries in the world. And so there is a village-to-village complexity. So uh, when you're looking at Papua New Guinea, it's really difficult to, you know, sort of generalise on, you know, the the systems there that are in place that are preventing women from getting forward because there is such a cultural diversity across uh, the country there. So there's been a lot of movement, and I guess a lot of it has been external, trying to get more women into these parliaments. 
And that hasn't worked to this point anyway. So what do they need to do? Reserved seating, I think, is really important. We've seen in Samoa the uh, successes of reserved seating. Uh, I know it almost caused a constitutional crisis at the previous election uh, last year, but it's been really important to be able to get women through the parliamentary system there. There has been talks about reserved seating or quotas in Papua New Guinea. They've been on the table since 2011. A bill was passed to amend the constitution in 2011 so that uh, they could pass the enabling legislation to allow for those reserved seating. But unfortunately, that legislation is yet to be passed. At the moment, in Papua New Guinea, they're debating having five reserved seats for women on a more sort of regional seating, but those seats are yet to be created, and I doubt they'll be created by this year's June election. I think the other thing that we really need to do across the Pacific is push these leadership programs that are happening at the uh, community level and at the household level. Now, this is a generational change. This, is some, this isn't something that's going to be pushed through quickly. These things take time. It takes a whole-of-community approach, a whole-of-the-household approach, and I think those grassroots programs are really super important to be able to help women and men push through those gendered roles and gender norms that are holding women back. Who is doing that? Who, who is leading that grassroots community push? There are a lot of uh, initiatives. The Department of Foreign Affairs in Australia, for example, has had for the past six years a program for Pacific Women's Leadership. That's transitioning at the moment to Pacific Women Lead, and that's going to be run by and designed by uh, Pacific women. And I think that's really important to have that empowerment there. So Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade in Australia will be funding that program. But of course, there's local programs as well that are helping with the leadership. For example, the Seven Sisters NGO that is run by Papua New Guinean women and they're helping women get elected in Papua New Guinea. We've also got MPs in Australia, like the independent MP, Kathy McGowan, who is supporting women to get elected. We've also got the former MP from Papua New Guinea, Carol Kidu, who's doing a lot of work on the ground at the moment, just supporting those women, teaching them, training them, prepping them for the election, and trying to really boost their chances of succeeding in the election that's coming up this year. While there's been a lot of admiration for the reserved seats and the reserved seats for instance, in Bougainville and then, uh, as you mentioned, in Samoa. But there are also concerns about those women in the reserve seats being marginalised. Yes, and I think that's not an issue that's uh, specific to the Pacific, of course. You know, in, in countries like Australia, we often have the debate about quotas or reserve seating in Parliament. And that is the issue. But I think when we really need to use everything in our toolkit to help women get ahead and to break break through those barriers, I think they're really important just to, to set the standard of what we expect in parliaments in Australia and across the world.